Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is The Secret to True Happiness, Matthew 5, 3. And I want to ask you, are you happy today? Not after that worship, because it's hard not to be happy after that worship, huh? I mean, that was awesome, wasn't it? Uh, wow, it just brought tears to my eyes, just so many of the, I've just, whew. Even that last hymn was like, I was like, that was the sermon. Wait till, you, wait till you see the connection, it's amazing. But my guess is, and I already know the answer, because I've talked to a lot of you and you talked to me. A lot of us are not that happy recently. It seems like we're going through a lot as a church. A lot of people going through trials and struggles, and <clears throat> I, um, one of the reasons why we're not happy is because a lot of us think of happiness as an emotional response to positive circumstances, right? That's how we usually think of happiness. It's a, a, happiness is, and I'll say it again because it's really the, the, the world's view, an, a positive emotional response to positive circumstances. When the sun is shining, TGIF, you know, the weekend is coming. We have, if we have money to spend in our pocket, if our t- the Phillies and Eagles have, have won, uh, if, if we have good vibrations, right? That's what happiness is, right? But if it seems like it's been raining forever around here, uh, it's not TGIF, it's Sunday, so it's T-I-M-A. Uh, tomorrow is Monday already, all right? So that's, uh, it's, Instead of a lot of money, we have a recession again. And one day we're going to probably call this a depression, right? Uh, and the Flyers are the only hope for Philadelphia right now. So it's real kind of a blah. It's hard to be happy, right? Jesus, though, gives us the secret to true happiness here in Matthew chapter 5. And it's the opposite of the world's formula. In fact, this had to be so shocking when he preached this sermon. I've preached some shocking sermons, nothing like what he preached. This had to really shock them, and we're going to see, because it's also a radically different kind of happiness, that circumstances have no effect on this happiness. Because instead of the world's happiness, this is a supernatural joy that emanates from our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's something supernatural. It's something a lot deeper than a, so good vibrations. It, it has nothing to do with circumstances. It goes much, much deeper. And we're going to see there's nine keys to happiness here. Nine keys, and each one builds on the one before. So don't miss, because each one builds on the next one. But the first one is foundational. And I just thought it was really interesting that we kind of hit this passage, this verse, this week, because it seems like so many of us are going through downtimes. Unhappy times, <laughs> and I'm the first on the list. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for bringing us back together. We thank you for the worship that just takes our eyes off of our trials and our circumstances and, and fixes them on you. And, Lord, just pray we could just stay in this place. And I know someday we will in heaven, just like Fanny Crosby's song. Someday we're going to be in this place all the time with you. Father, we just pray that your spirit would work in us and just give us a piece of heaven and the piece of the true happiness that you want us to have. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in Matthew chapter 5. The first beatitude is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't sound like happy. <laughs> uh, 
This is the total opposite of the world, right? What is the first criteria for happiness, according to our culture, at least? Not poverty, it's riches, right? You, you want to be rich. That's the first criteria. In the United States, we need things to make us happy. It starts when we're little and go all the way up. That We're just told that 24-7, every commercial, every billboard, every, all of our friends. It, it, we need things to make us happy. Buy a lot of stuff. We need a bigger house. We need a, a new car. We need the new iPhone or whatever it is, whatever the newest gadget out there, the newest game. We need everything. Christmas is coming up. It's not that far. I'm already working on my kids because, see, I, I, I soak all I can out of each thing to get good behavior. It was the farm. Whoever wasn't going to be good, you're not coming to the farm with me. So I used that for about two weeks. Now I'm already starting to work on Christmas. <gasps> Christmas is getting close. It's only 60, 85 days. I'm already counting down with the kids. I can't remember now. But, but you've got to be good. You better be good. You won't get any presents. But, but the whole thing about Christmas is the whole focus is all these commercials that start coming out. And whenever they, the kids see a commercial, they're like, I want that. Dad, I want that toy. I want this. I want that. You know, they, I know your kids aren't like that, but my kids are like that. Like, well, I want that. And I always, I know what, the next commercial, they're going to totally forget about that. They're going to want something else. I say, write it down, tell your mom, make the list, you know, you know, just start. And, and, but what happens when they do get this stuff? The, you know, Christmas. They put it on the list, they get the stuff, and they are so excited when they open it up. And the next day or the next week at the latest, forgotten. Who cares, right? But isn't that a picture of our life? Even all of us who want stuff, want stuff, we, we think that's going to make us happy. We get it. Eh, it's not so much fun. There's that letdown constantly because money and, and riches, that doesn't make us happy. And, and that's why Jesus says Matthew 5, 3 is the total opposite of what the world teaches. The total opposite, he said, happy are the poor. In fact, he says, blessed are the poor. Blessed, the word blessed there, once again, we talked about, is much deeper than you know, the world's happiness and good vibrations. It's talking about that supernatural joy. I'm not going to repeat it again. That supernatural joy that comes from a close relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only place we're going to find the happiness. That's the only place we're going to find that true joy, that supernatural joy. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, he's not talking about material, uh, being poor materially. He's not talking about material poverty here. Although Jesus did say the rich, it's hard to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? And we'll talk about that as we go through the Gospels here. Is because people, when we have a lot of stuff, we don't think we need God. We got everything we need. We're self-sufficient. We don't need God. That's why it's tough. But the poor also have some spiritual roadblocks, don't they? Don't we? <laughs> Some of us, yeah, you know, whether we're rich or poor, there are spiritual roadblocks in our life and in the scripture. So he's not talking about material poverty. He's talking about poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Most people are proud in spirit. That's kind of the human nature, isn't it? And especially in the United States, we are proud in spirit. That's what the world, that's what our culture stresses, right? It glorifies this, to be proud, to be self-assertive, to be self-sufficient. It's American way, right? Uh, to be, used to be, anyway. Uh, to be uh, independent, to be defiant. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to live. That's our culture, isn't it? That's what, we, that's what we are. That's who we are. You know, revolution. 
You know, there's people sitting all over in cities right now starting revolutions. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, there's, there's a lot of people who are upset and angry about some things that they're justified to be angry about. But that is the American spirit, the American revolution, right? The, the, that, that's what we, you can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me how to live. And we think, because of this attitude, we just think God owes me heaven someday. Right? Isn't that what people think? You talk to people, and it doesn't matter who they are. They think, 90% of people think they're going to heaven. Everybody thinks they're going, Chuck, you're on the street all the time. You talk to people, you have the heaven test. Everybody thinks, they just not just think they're going to heaven, but they think they, that God owes them heaven. Because I'm not that bad. I never killed anybody, although that's becoming less and less of a fact. right? But it, and it doesn't matter what we believe doesn't matter who I put my faith in. There are many ways to get to God. And what are they really saying? What are we really saying when we say that? We're saying, my way. Not just, whenever somebody says there are many ways, they're saying, my way. That's what we're really saying, right? And, and, and there's many, many ways. Even many Christians do the same thing. Uh, Erica showed me the article about Thomas Jefferson in the Bible, how he went through the Bible and he decided what was Jesus really said, what Jesus didn't say. And he went through and he cut up the Bible and he created his own Bible out of the New Testament, Thomas Jefferson. Well, we were talking about that and we were saying, you know what, isn't that what so many people do today, even in churches? We say, well, I like this, what Jesus said, but I don't like that. And I can live this, but uh, this would be hard to live in. And we just kind of pick and choose. It's buffet Christianity, right? You, know, you go to a buffet, you pick out what you want. I like this, I don't like that. I like this, I don't like vegetables. You, know, you, you don't take what you don't want. And that's what we've done with Christianity, even in, in most churches in America. We have this buffet Christianity mentality. Yeah, I believe in Jesus and I want to go to heaven, I'm going to go to heaven. But uh, I don't know if I don't like that or I don't want to live this or I, this temptation is too strong, I'm not going to follow that. We just kind of pick and choose what we want. But... That's what is called proud in spirit. But poor in spirit is the opposite of proud in spirit. It's the direct opposite. And it's the first, relation, first step in a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ is that we must be poor in spirit. That's the first step in a relationship with God and with his son Jesus Christ which will result in true Fulfillment, true happiness, true contentment, supernatural joy. It's the first step. And it, but it, it, that, that poverty of spirit, that, that poor in spirit that says, God, I have nothing. I have nothing to offer you, God. I am, I am nothing. I can do nothing to change myself. I can't do it. I can do nothing. And the Holy Spirit works in us to show us our true emptiness. And when the Holy Spirit's working and he shows us our true emptiness, and we realize that all my righteous acts are like filthy rags. Isaiah 63. You know, that, 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 that I, instead of, I deserve heaven and I'm going to heaven. No, I deserve hell. I deserve hell. I call this the hell test. Chuck has the heaven test, right? The two questions, heaven test. A lot of times with people, I I call this the hell test. Someone who's poor in spirit, if we're poor in spirit, we know we all deserve eternal separation from God. If if we're poor in spirit, someone who's proud in spirit says, I'm going to heaven. God, nobody can tell me I'm going to hell. But someone who's poor in spirit says, you know what? I don't deserve heaven. 
I deserve hell. I deserve eternal separation from God. And the question when we're poor in spirit isn't how could God send that's how could God send anyone to, to hell? The question is we're poor in spirit was like, how could God possibly send me to heaven? How could he do that? How could he send anybody to heaven? When we're poor in spirit, that's where we are. And instead of, it's not fair, and it, it is hard. Hell's a hard thing. Don't get me wrong. It's a hard, hard thing. I wrestle with all the time. I try not to think about it too much. It's such a horrifying thought. I, I try not to fo- focus on it. But you know what? Jesus talked about it a lot. More than he talked about heaven. It's, it's a reality. But instead of that attitude of, that's not fair. And you, you hear that when you talk to people out in the street, your friends. That's not fair. Well, when we are poor in spirit, we realize that the only one not getting what is, isn't fair, the only one who, who gets, who's not getting what they deserve is the one who puts their faith in Jesus and is allowed into heaven. If, you, if we get into heaven, we're the one who, who, that's not fair. We're the one who's not getting what we deserve, right? Because we know, we know we all deserve eternal separation from God. That's the poverty of spirit and poor in spirit. That's what we realize. We deserve it. And heaven is free. Heaven is free, but when we're poor in spirit, we know we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We are just beggars begging for it. Remember the woman begging woman, Jesus with a crumb faith, you know? That's what we all are. That, that's a beautiful story of a picture of all of us. We are just beggars asking God, God, I don't deserve heaven. I deserve hell. And, and you have every right to send me there, but I'm asking you, I'm begging you for your free gift of eternal life. And that's the first step to a relationship with God and salvation is to realize our total hopelessness and helplessness. Without Jesus Christ. That's the first step. And Jesus says if we have that poverty of spirit. If we're poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're happy now because we now can receive the gift of life. Which starts now and forever. It's not just heaven someday. But eternal life starts right this minute. We, we, we receive a whole new life starting right now. And he says and this kingdom is better than any kingdom the world can offer. And it's free for the asking. Whenever someone says, it's not fair, it's not fair, I say, well, take the free gift. Take it then. What they're really saying is, you can't tell me. There's a proud in spirit. You can't tell me. God can't say that. That's not the kind of God I'm going to follow. But, but heaven is free. Take it. Romans, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's free. Have you ever received God's free gift? If you're here today, do you have, are you poor in spirit? Have you, ever said, have you ever realized that God, do you realize that your relationship with God has been broken by sin, by rebellion, and it can only be fixed through Jesus Christ? That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. That's why he came down and died in our place and took our sin upon himself, our rebellion, our proud spirit on himself, all the wrong we've ever done, all the mistakes we made. He took it all on himself. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is waiting to forgive us. 
He's waiting to give us this free, free gift of eternal life. And it's, it's free for the asking. And the only way to have true fulfillment, the only way to have true happiness, is through this life with Jesus Christ. Most of us, maybe you're here today and you've never taken that step. I pray you take it today. But most of us here, I'm guessing, are Christians already. We've already put our faith in Jesus Christ. We have John 3.16 memorized. But are we happy? Do we have supernatural joy this morning? Not counting after the hymns. <laughs> Before you came in. Do we, do we have that continuous supernatural joy? Now the key to, to having this is the starting point after we put our faith in Christ. After we say, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me because I deserve hell, because I have deserve eternal separation from you, because, my, because I've broken your, your law because I, because I can't have a relationship. I believe Jesus died on the cross to take my sin, to take my punishment, to be my substitute, and I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I give my life to him. Once we take that step, the next starting point to keeping this supernatural joy is staying in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the key. You know what we do? We become a Christian, and then we, we go back to what we used to live in, Right? Well, yeah, I know I have this new life, but I'm going to just go back and try this again or try that again. I'm a little bit down, and I used to, when I get down, I, I know what I used to do, and I'll go back and try that again. And what happens when we do it? We feel lousy because we're grieving the Spirit. And if we grieve the Holy Spirit, He grieves us. <laughs> we feel that grief, right? And, and, and because the world can never fulfill us, the things that we used to turn to, we can no longer turn to to find that happiness. They will never make us happy again. Not that they ever really made us happy in the first place, right? But we were too blind to see it. But the starting point is to stay in that close relationship with Jesus Christ. Another key is keeping our poor spirit. You see, being poor in spirit isn't a one-time event. Yeah, we have to reach that place before we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But after we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean we can, you know, become you know, proud again, right? It, we, staying poor in spirit is, is a way of life. It's a dependence. God, I cannot do this without you. I couldn't get to heaven without you. I can't live this life here on earth without you. It's that constant dependence on, on, on God, that, God, I can't do this. I need your grace. I need your Holy Spirit to keep filling me and keep helping me with this. I need you. And God uses trials, hard things, to bring us low. He uses them so that when things are going well, what do we do? We kind of forget about God, right? But he keeps, he, in his grace, he will keep allowing us to go through trials, to bring us low, to say, God, I need you. And when we do that, when we're going through a trial, and we really, you ever have that happen, where you really connect with God and say, God, I can't do this. I totally need you. I'm going to lose it here. And we just totally depend on him. And this peace just kind of comes over us. You know what I'm talking about? And we, we experience a happiness a supernatural joy that seems impossible in the middle of a trial. But turns out we're happier than we were when everything was going our way and we were just kind of living with the world and indulging the flesh and, and just blah, right? But that's what God does. Do we have that happiness? Does our happiness pass the stress test? 
This is how we know if we have God's happiness or the world's happiness. Does it pass the stress test? When we're going through a trial with our finances or our marriage or our family or our job situation or a team we're on or the school we're, something at school going on or college or a, a friendship breaking up or having all kinds of friend issues or, or a sickness or a loss, does our happiness pass the stress test? That's the key to tell us, are we in that place that God, we need to be that poor in spirit so we can experience that real happiness. I've been wrestling with some things. You're not the only ones who have trials. I've, I've gone through a lot of discouragement and disappointment and grieving, and a lot of different things personally and all kinds of things going on, some grieving, some things. And it's, I've, I've been down struggling with some things. <clears throat> you know, there's this whole Word of Faith movement out there. You probably see it on TV. And we talk about this, that if you're a Christian, you're going to be healthy and wealthy, and everything's going to go well. And the thing about following that false teaching, and it is a false teaching, and the people who teach it are false teachers. There, I've said it. Uh, the... the the problem is when you follow that and it doesn't go the way that you're taught with this false teaching, you become disillusioned. I know Christians, they became disillusioned. And they, well, I thought I became a Christian. I wouldn't get sick and I would have all this money and that's what they really believed. And, and they said, well, I guess this God thing isn't working. They never had God going. They had this false teaching going. But, but they, become disillusioned when it doesn't, they become disillusioned when it doesn't happen. We all know that's crazy, right? But evangelicals, and I'll say biblical evangelicals, also have some faulty thinking. And I call it the happy ending. You know when you go to Friendly's, you have the happy ending Sunday, you know? I, I, once in a while I eat sugar. Yeah, okay. Uh, anyway. Uh, those who know me know, yeah. I have a happy ending every meal. Okay, okay, I do. Okay, well, anyway, the, the happy ending Sunday. A lot of us think of Christianity as this happy ending, you know, that... that no matter what's going on, we're going to have a happy ending to it here on earth. And we get this from movies. Hollywood is one of the worst, but also Christian movies do the same thing, don't they? Facing your giants, the kid made the field goal, right? Sorry if I wrecked that for you. But uh, the, uh, the, <clears throat> all these Christian movies, it always ends up something works out in the end and it's good. And, and when we hear Christian testimonies, and we've got to be careful even with our testimony time. I, and I'm going to stress this when we come up to this next question. Our uh, New Year's Day, we're having church on New Year's Day, uh, 10 o'clock, go to bed by midnight. But, uh, but when we have our testimony time, I'm going to stress, it's not just about happy endings, but it's also how God brought you through hard times and is sustaining you in those hard times. That's a powerful testimony, right? It's not always this happy ending, but we always glorify these you know, Billy Graham and testimony time, you know, on, on, on his they always have a happy ending to them. And if you turn on the Christian TV and the Christian radio, they always have the happy ending to these things. But you know what? That's, that's, not, that's kind of a false teaching too because there's not always a happy ending here on earth. There is one in heaven, but it's not here on earth. And some people are not healed. And, and some people die. And, and families break up and marriages break up and Prodigals don't always come home. And, and kids commit suicide. Several of you are affected by 
Kids, even Christian kids, committing suicide. That's not a happy ending. And, and temptations don't disappear that we've struggled with for years and years. They don't just go away because we do the right formula from the Bible. Right? There's not always a happy ending. And what then? Do we get mad at God? I do. <laughs> Disappointed with God? We try to meet our needs our way because God's not meeting my needs. It's not working, so I'm going to do it my way. Go back to the old way, right? Or are we going to obey God anyway? Say, God, even if you don't work this out the way I'd like to see it worked out, I'm just going to obey you. I'm going to just trust you no matter what. You know, that McBride song when she says, do it anyway. I, lo- I really love that song. You know, just pray anyway. Love anyway. Obey anyway. Do it anyway. Uh, do, we, do we get to that place? You know, that's why I like the Soul Surfer movies so much. The Soul Surfer movie wasn't one of these happy ending movies. It was real. The girl didn't grow her arm back. The shark kept it, you know? There's no happy ending. She doesn't have an arm today. But she didn't get her arm back, but she also didn't lose her faith. She almost lost it. It ended up deepening her faith, didn't it? Because she held on with her one good arm. She held on to God. That's real. There's going to be a happy ending. We sang about it, Fanny Crosby, Blessed Assurance. Fanny didn't get her eyesight back until she got to heaven. But in the midst of our trials, we can still have joy. It's there. Can we pass the stress test? We can still have joy with Jesus Christ no matter what we're going through. Or even because of what we are going through. God may be using it to break us, to to make us poor, right? To give us poor spirit, to keep us humble. And and I want to encourage you, if God's doing it, don't fight it, but surrender. It was in the song. I was like, wow, that's the whole sermon, you know? Perfect submission, that Fanny Crosby sang about. I and my Savior are happy and blessed. That perfect submission. I just finished a book. Uh, Jeff Yerkes loaned it to me. Uh, Unbroken. The Louis Zamperini story. And it was by, um, who was the author? I think I wrote it down here. Uh, Laura Hillenbrand. And wow, what a story. Louis Zamperini, some of you, I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I want you to read the book. If you, I'm going to have it in the church library or go out and get it. He was a world-class runner. He was in one Olympic, going to go to another one. He ended up having to fight in World War II, gets shot down, becomes a POW. That's all I'm going to tell you. Went through mind-boggling circumstances. Just amazing. And this author, who I don't think is a Christian, I couldn't tell, I couldn't tell by, the, by the story, but it seemed like she wasn't, and I'm not judging, I'm just saying by the way she wrote the ending, 
said that he wasn't broken. He was unbroken because he got through all this. But she missed, this is why I don't think, she missed that he was broken. And that was the beautiful part of the story. And I'm not going to tell you more because that's the beautiful part of the story. He was broken. And that God broke him and God breaks us. And that's when we find true happiness. True supernatural happiness. And if you're going through a hard time right now, I want to encourage you not to try to go back to the old shallow happiness. And I want to encourage you not to look for a happy ending, but to look for God's supernatural joy in the brokenness and in the a close relationship to Jesus Christ, which is what God's trying to move us to. That even if nothing changes, even if my family or spouse doesn't change, even if my job situation doesn't change, and even if I don't get rid of this disease, and even if this person doesn't live, and whatever we're going through, that there is an amazing, supernatural joy that we can only find in a relationship with Jesus Christ, a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. How is God speaking to your heart this morning? What is he saying to me today? Are we as Christians really happy? Will we allow God, will we trust him enough? Will we surrender enough for him to, to, to allow him to use what we're going through to bring us to true happiness? We say, God, I just want to be close to Jesus Christ. I'm in pain. I'm ready to give up. I have no hope. My only hope is you, God. If Jesus doesn't help me, I won't make it. Without your mercy and grace, I can't hold on any longer. I can't resist this temptation anymore. I'm, I'm damaged. I'm wounded. Broken. And Father, as we pray this prayer, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch us, would give us supernatural grace, supernatural joy, and a hope that does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The whole reason for this suffering, supernatural hope. And Lord, as we go through this, I pray that you would cool off the refining fire and and it. Help us through many of these things. But even if you don't, even if what we face is a lifelong trial, I pray that we would know a supernatural joy and a real happiness through Jesus Christ that the world has no concept of. And I pray it would change the way that we see every day in every relationship and every trial and every stress. Only you can do it, God. It's humanly impossible, but we know all things are possible with you. You may be here today, and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. But today, for the first time, you realize how poor spiritually we are. That we don't deserve heaven, that we don't deserve anything, that we can't earn our way to God's favor, that we can only hold out our hands as a beggar. And I want to encourage you, if you've never put your faith in Christ, to hold out your hands as a beggar before God and say, God, please save me. 
I know I deserve hell. I know you don't have to give me anything. I know my sin and my rebellion has cut, my, cut me off from a relationship with you, the one true God. But I believe you sent your son Jesus to die for me. That you love me so much that you did that. And I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to Jesus. I need Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that comes with Jesus. And I want the new life that comes with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, if you've prayed that, to let somebody know. Maybe somebody you came with. Tell me on the way out. Call me. Email me. Fill out the card. Let somebody know so that we could be excited for you and encourage you and, and, and help you to grow closer to God. Father, as we hear this last song, I pray that the words would really speak to us right where we're at today. In Jesus' name.